Welcome, anxious humans. I'm Stacey Sorgen, and this is the Anxious Entrepreneurs Podcast. If you are a warrior, an overthinker, someone who plans for every option and iteration of life, you are in the right place. In each episode, we'll explore what makes us unique, weird, and awesome, and how it might be exactly what helps us succeed as entrepreneurs. What if our so-called flaw is actually a tremendous gift and attribute? Let's dig deeper. It's nice to meet you. Hello, anxious entrepreneurs. This is Stacy Sorgen, and I'm excited for you to meet Darcy Harrison today. Darcy has been a licensed cosmetologist for over 18 years and a self-employed entrepreneur since 2012. In addition to her extensive background in creative and performing arts, Darcy is the owner of Emerson Salon on Capitol Hill in Seattle. She specializes in haircuts, natural texture, balayage, and vivids. Darcy believes your hair is an essential component of confident soul expression and approaches client work with acceptance, patience, and understanding. She is best known as the vocal cosmetologist due to her impactful grassroots and marketing focus as a leader in Personal Services Trade Association, Cosmetologists of Washington United. Darcy's efforts to protect small business, independent contractors, and the state legislature led to Emerson Salon receiving the 2019 Washington Advance Award from the Association of Washington Business. Darcy is an all-around fantastic person, and as we dig into this episode, I hope that you can see why I have so much admiration and respect for her. Let's dig in with Darcy Harrison. Hey, Darcy Harrison, I'm so excited and so honored that you're here today. And I know that you have so much to tell us about. So many awesome things are happening in your world. But first, I'd love to just welcome you. Thanks so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Stacey. I love you to bits, as I told you, um, off recording, and I will put it on recording, too. Um, I think this is an amazing opportunity for business owners to share the real talk about what it's like to run a business and or being self-employed. And so I commend you for for doing this and putting more um, nuance to this conversation. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor to, to speak to so many people. And I have to say that so far, I have not been as nervous to talk to anyone as, <laughs> as I am to talk to you. I'm so nervous to talk to you today. Oh, I'm admire, so shocked. I admire you so much and I have so much respect for you. And I'll dig a little bit deeper into that. And I want to share with you a little later in the episode why. But first, I'd love for our listeners to just learn a little bit more about you. Like, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? And, and why do you do it? Got it. Um, well, I'm Darcy Harrison, and I am originally from the uh, right coast, the uh, New England area. Um, I grew up in Rhode Island, specifically Portsmouth, Rhode Island, which is near Newport. And I went to high school in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. I grew up in a family of visual artists. My mother was a sculptor. My father was an industrial designer and professor at Rhode Island School of Design. My sister went to school at RISD. A lot of people in my family 
family are associated with that uh, college for fine arts. Uh, my sister is a glass artist. My, my uncle is a photographer, etc. Um, and so I moved to Seattle in the year 2000. And <laughs> I came here after uh, I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts in Acting. And my, my creative genre originally was the performing arts. And eventually I got into doing uh, producing, producing my own work, supporting other people to produce their own work. Uh, I ran the Seattle Fringe Festival for a couple of years. And uh, now I focus solely on my, what I call my day gig, my day creativity. Uh, I am a hairstylist and I have been a self-employed entrepreneur since 2012. And now I am an owner of Emerson Salon and I can tell more about that in detail um, throughout this episode. But uh, yeah, I, I have a very large creative background and that is part of my identity. And so that is why it's so perfectly suited to me to be doing hairstyling because it's like what my father did, which is a commercial art. Absolutely. Wow. Your whole family is artists. Do you feel like that really had a significant impact on you when you were growing up as everyone went into these different, I don't know if you would call it disciplines of art, but it seems like everyone kind of went a different direction, but into the commercial arts. Yeah. So, um, I grew up around talking about form and silhouette and three-dimensional, uh, sculptural, um, essence, I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, my father would be doing drafting and things in our basement in his office. And my mother would sculpt in a different part of my basement and creative expression is absolutely necessary to me. Um, or just in expression in general, uh, has always been a very large priority. And I was encouraged to draw and express myself and, uh, they didn't really understand theater or acting, but they're like, if that's what you want to do, we support it. Uh, so I have been very, very lucky and I'm very grateful to have been born into such a supportive family for the creativity within my soul. I love that so much. And I love how you just mentioned, you know, you grew up with like the silhouette and the form and thinking about those things. And I was just looking at your website where you're talking about like the best hairstyle that you can find for someone brings in both form and function. Like it could look awesome, but if people can't manage it, it's, it's not worth doing, right? You want people to be happy with the form and function of an expression of, of their hair. Well, I just oh, want wanted to give you a little tidbit that that is somewhat of a hearkening back to what my father used to do uh, when he was doing industrial design. And then also I am named, after a scientist uh, who wrote a book uh, based on form and function in nature. And so his Ooh. name was Darcy Thompson. And that's why I, if people see my name in writing, I have an apostrophe in my name. It's silent, by the way. Don't, don't say Darcy. That's not how you say it. You say Darcy. Um, but uh, I am named after the person who wrote a, a literal whole book about the concept of form and function in nature. So that was my little tidbit to give some insight. Like people ask me, why were you named that with your apostrophe? And I'm all like, why well, I was named after science. 
<laughs> I love I love that so much. And you just explaining that kind of gave me a little goosebumps on my arms. Like, whoa, did you take after the name, the amazing name <laughs> that you were given when you were when you were born? Um so how did you get to the point where you were maybe working for other people and then come here comes 2012 and you decided to do your own thing? Where did that come from? Well, I wish I could say it was from my inner inspiration that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. Sometimes this uh, life of running a business just sort of falls in your lap or happens. Uh, I had previously been an employee of Emerson Salon, and the owners were not salon industry people. And uh, uh, to be frank, they were boyfriends who broke up. <laughs> and oh. uh, and so that their business relationship um, had run its course, as you say. And so they were trying to reimagine uh, how the salon would be run with less quote unquote babysitting and employees need a lot of um, guidance and structure and, or some sort of micromanaging to a certain degree. And so we were told uh, in December, 2011, that in four weeks, we were going to be booth renters, which meant that we would be self-employed and we would be in charge of our own taxes and licenses and pay rent and business insurance, etc. So that was challenging. Um, but I had tried to become self-employed earlier in my hair career and, you know, more power to me that I was motivated to do such a thing, but I didn't know Jack about running a business. I, as I've said, I grew up in a family of artists and I also, uh, my whole family are like, wow, you got C's in math. You are a genius. <laughs> I was like C's. I was like struggling for the C's. So, uh, I was not successful ultimately after a year and a half of being self-employed originally. So when I came back to being self-employed, I'm like, well, I know what I don't know and I need support on this business stuff because I don't know what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, I did some research and I found a nonprofit that helped with business development. I've been a client as well as my colleague, uh, Lancer for quite a number of years and they have done, uh, a ridiculous amount of uh, help to support me and other small business entrepreneurs uh, in Seattle and beyond Seattle. And so I am very grateful to them. That's, that is fantastic. And I'm so glad that you found that particular resource. It, it, can I ask you what the name of the resource is? Yes, of course. Else is I always advertise the bejesus out of them. Uh, Ventures Nonprofit. And their executive director is Beto Yars. And they have a whole team of people and networks of uh, network, sorry, of coaches. They do when they do their business development course, uh, they build into it sort of breakout sessions with individual coaches to sort of walk you through it. I call it kindergarten for business entrepreneurs, but you kind of have to go back to, okay, let's start at ground zero. I don't care if you've started your business already or about to start, but you need to kind of think about this. You need to write about marketing and cash flow and uh, cogs and cost of goods sold, et cetera. And, and demystifying all of this stuff that people go to MBA school for uh, that, you know, literally a large percentage of business owners do not have. So we need, we need help somehow. 
Absolutely. I think one of the greatest barriers that we have as people who want to become entrepreneurs is like feeling like you have to do everything yourself, yes. feeling kind of like you're, you're on an island with all of your own struggles, all of your own problems. And yes. um, for a lot of people that I've worked with, they kind of get to a certain point where they feel like I should know this by now. It would be embarrassing for me to reach out for any help at this point. People are going to know. People are going to know I've been doing it wrong. And there's never a bad time. There's never a wrong time to reach out for resources. I absolutely agree. And it doesn't have to cost you money. It does cost you time and effort and some homework. And so I tried to, whenever I talk to other new business owners, uh, I basically try to tell them like, listen, you know, I can't do this for you. I can walk you through A, B, C, D, and F, but there are specific things to your situation. I'm not going to know, or a mentor or coach won't know. It's still going to need your, your, your brain juices. Um, oh, and, <laughs> I love that. You know, um, or those gears, those gears still have to, you know, you can't just let those gears sit there and, and slough it off to somebody else. Even if you have a whole team of people, employees or vendors or whatever, um, you're still going to have to have your hands in it. Otherwise, you know, you have no, no quote unquote power or control over your income, the income of the business, the revenue, et cetera. That is so true. And I've seen that happen lots of places too. Well, well, I'm not good at this, so I'm just going to completely push it off to someone else. You still need to know the, the inner workings of your business, where your money is going, how time is being spent. And that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing the resource. This week's small business shout out is for Emerson Salon. At Emerson Salon, you'll find a community of independent hair designers. What this means is that every single hair professional runs their own business from chair to chair. From their pricing and specialties to how they run their schedule and take payments, these highly trained individuals take hair entrepreneurship to the next level. They make sure that their stylists have many, many years of experience and truly care about providing you the quality service that you deserve in the Capitol Hill and First Hill neighborhoods in Seattle, Washington. They are intent on making you happy with your hair through style that works. You can learn more about Emerson Salon by visiting emersonsalon.com or finding their Instagram or Facebook pages. If you are looking for a new and amazing independent hair designer, please check out Emerson Salon. So Emerson Salon, some interesting things are happening there. Now that you have been an entrepreneur yourself for almost 10 years, next year it'll make it 10 years. So congratulations. Well, I hadn't even thought of it like that. I, I'm really bad with like anniversaries and stuff like that. And everyone's like, oh my God. And now that you're like, other people are like, oh, and I'm like, whoa, it's been 10 years. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And, and now it sounds like you have the support system that you need, you know, um, through affiliations with other organi organizations, working with other um, entrepreneurs, working with the, this resource that you mentioned with um, Ventures Nonprofit. Um, how do you feel kind of going into this different, this different season of like your business? And please feel free to share what, what awesome things are cooking up. 
Yeah, so I did the whole big announcement about a week or so ago. So the, the news is out uh, <laughs> um, and the press release, etc. Um, but I am taking over or have taken over. I, I still act as if it hasn't happened yet. It's, it hasn't all, all absorbed. I am now full owner of Emerson Salon after co-owning it uh, since 2014 with Lancer 40 McMahon. So Ooh, this, I'm yeah, here. you can't see me, but I'm dancing. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I would have to say this is kind of like the ultimate American dream. I worked inside the business as a part-time employee. I became a full-time employee, then I became self-employed, and then I became a co-owner, and now I am the owner. Uh, and I have built this brand, you know, with the former ownership uh, from the very beginning. And so I actually got a question from a friend of mine, like, why wouldn't you just start a new brand and have it be all about you? Like, cause I already helped build this brand and I like it and I've bought into it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we are a safe space for LGBTQIA and BIPOC. Uh, that's very important to me. Um, I work with a lot of, uh, gay, transgender, queer, non-binary, uh, and, so does my uh, now colleague, who was my business partner, and just FYI, uh, my business partner from you know being a co-owner, he is still with the business. So I, I don't want people to get the sense that I was like I took over. It was a hostile takeover. It was not. It was amicable and probably the smoothest uh, transition uh, between former co-owners to me being owner than you would expect um, because we have such a good relationship. And really it's just our needs, wants and desires for the future have shifted and they haven't shifted so dramatically that we don't want to be working in the same business together. It just means that we are reinventing what that looks like. Oh, that's so fantastic. I love it. Doesn't it feel good? Sometimes in our businesses as entrepreneurs, I feel like we, we are pushing we are pushing for the next thing. Sometimes it just feels so good when something just goes right and it feels easy and it feels like the next, the logical good step. It, it's just like every so often in my business as well, I've experienced one of those transitions that was like, this feels right. This feels good. Is that what this feels like for you? Yes, because I think, think, you know, I've been kind of itching to take on more responsibility for a while and felt like, well, that was, I would be infringing on his role. Um, because, you know, when you're in an LLC, you have defined roles. There isn't like, and yeah, there's some overlap, like, you know, uh, you know, the other person will do social media, you know, I do social media as my main thing, or I'll help out with cash flow and, you know, strategy and decisions. It's, it's kind of how we did it in the past, but yeah, this feels right because, you know, it's, it's a natural evolution with, you know, what's going on in the personal services industry, what's going on with us, what's going on in the general world with the pandemic and, um, you know, just, uh, I, the way that I see it is if you don't rise to the challenge of evolving and growing, you're stagnant. Now, there is such a thing called pause, and you can cultivate a pause, but that doesn't mean that you stay in that spot forever. Um, it means you're taking the due time to be like, okay, I need to process this. I need to figure this out. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be like, 
processing it for 20 years, it means, you know, I, uh, even if it's like, Hey, I'm going to take a step back or, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to pause for a little bit longer. There's still, there's still activity, um, in that. Um, and I would have to say that during all of the, you know, my industry was shut down for a whole three months. Um, I have not been working. I was working four days a week before pandemic and shutdown. Now I'm working um, three days, but during certain capacity restrictions, I was working two days. And with that extra time, it's like, what am I doing? <laughs> am I, what, it, mm, uh, and, <laughs> and that's how it felt. It felt like, uh, do I have any thoughts about this right now? No. Should I do anything about this right now? Well, I don't know. Uh, no. You know, and so uh, I guess the point of what I'm trying to say is that it's okay not to know. It's okay. And it you'll is. figure it out. And that's yeah. and that's where I got. I gave myself that time and space to be like, I don't, what is my life? I have no idea. <laughs> and got to the point where I was like, uh, okay, I think I want this. I think I want that. I think I you know, I just want to shift it to a different paradigm. And this is what it needs to look like in order for me to find that new level of happiness within myself, balance within my life and balance with my business. That's so powerful. And I, I mentioned earlier that I admire and respect you so much. And it was during you mentioned uh, quarantine and everything going on during this pandemic and your limited hours. And for a while there, three months not being able to do your job at all in the, you know, online space, seeing you on Facebook, seeing you on, you know, Instagram, all these different places. One of the things that I picked up on most was your advocacy for your community during that time. You know, you reaching out to people and saying like, it's not worth your license. It's not worth risking your health and the health of other people to try to be sneaky right now. It's not worth it to try to do this in your garage. Like just trust. And I saw you personally asking people if they needed funds for groceries or for gas, whatever they needed, you were there to help provide as an advocate and like, Oh my gosh, I did not see anyone else doing this. I did not see anyone else advocating for their community and for their peers and for their colleagues in this way. I'm just curious, you know, what was your thought process as you went through that? Why did you do what you did through that time? Um, well, you know, I'm going to be very open and honest that, you know, I had a simultaneous, uh, life event that happened right before shutdown and my mother passed away. Um, and I know people are, you know, they say that they're so sorry and condolences, but you know, as much as it's hard to go through the loss of a parent, um, I have had, you know, I've gone through the loss of my father when I was 22. That was a very life formative experience and somewhat traumatic, um, that I had a roadmap to cope. Um, and due to that, I had a level of privilege to be able to say I'm less stressed because A, I'm just at home and B, I'm not scared about losing my business because of, you know, financial, whatever. I'm not going to go into details, but, um, that it was my opportunity to 
not just think of myself, but to think of others. And that tends to be a, a tendency that I do a lot. And sometimes that can be at the detriment of my own self-care. And so that is a constant daily uh, struggle and balance to make sure that I'm not being narcissistic or selfish, uh, but then also not going the other extreme and completely forgetting about myself. But I just decided that, you know, I, I have had strife and, uh, you know, I've, this is the anxious entrepreneur and I'm, I am anxious to talk about this, but, you know, anxiety and depression is something that has been a thread through my whole life. And there was a time in my life in which I felt like, who, who can I talk to? Um, I did not feel like I could talk to family at the time for whatever reason I won't go into. Um, the cats are messing with light. So if there's flashing, Darcy <laughs> has the cutest little kittens. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they are not little anymore. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> they're, right now they're messing with the ring light. Not that anyone can see it. So uh, Stacy's seeing flashes of light on my face. Um, and you can take this out if you want. I don't really care. <laughs> anyway, um, back to the, the topic at hand. Um, so anyway, I, I felt that whether it's for my industry or for people in my friend network, that I didn't want to be the person who's just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Whatever. You worry about you. You do you. Uh, <laughs> and I, I am definitely my father's daughter and I am sometimes generous to a fault. And I work very hard to be a soft place to fall, to be a non-judgmental, tolerant person. I'm still working on that patient, so damn, it's hard. But <laughs> uh, And I know sometimes as an East Coast strong personality that sometimes people are intimidated or feel off-put by, by me, but I really am a big softie. Uh, once you get beyond sort of this gregarious, somewhat outspoken uh, personality that I have. But um, yeah, I just decided that, you know, I didn't want anyone to feel alone. I didn't want anyone to feel like they didn't have people in their lives that were able to reach out to them during their, their most financial or emotionally difficult time of their lives. Because for some people, you know, that this has been the first traumatic thing that's happened in their career or their lives. Some yeah. people it's, it's the umpteenth million time. Um, but part of being part of a community is knowing that there are other people out there who get it and can validate you and that goes a really really long way they may not be able to fix your problems but they may help you feel better about them yeah. and uh, i've definitely been in numerous places in my life in which i was absolutely paralyzed by i didn't know what to do um you know example uh I didn't know how to pay for this, that, or the other. So I ignored it <laughs> and eventually it came back to bite me in the butt and I had to pay more because of, you know, whatever interest or something. Um, it, it doesn't serve you to, like I said, to stay in one spot for too long, to take a pause. But at some point we're going to have to face the stuff that's not fun. Uh, but 
it's so much better if you have someone like at least hold your hand a little bit, even if they're just there to be an extra set of eyes on something, whether it's for your emotional health or for your business. And, you know, I've I've done it so much for my industry that the stuff, there's so much stuff you haven't seen, Stacey. Um, I get PMs all the time. I get, you know, (laughs) at one point I'd be like, please, you know, I want to help you, but don't message me at 1am. Like I get that you're up late and you're worried, but like maybe wait. I get, I get that notification. (laughs) Like I want to help, but like there's boundaries. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, I wonder, do you feel that it was beneficial not only to the people that you offered help to, but I feel like sometimes when I'm going through a period of depression or anxiety, when that those things are elevated as they were during quarantine, I could sit in my house by myself, worried and just really focused inward, or I could, I was able to, I was privileged enough to be able to, take my energy and move it outward. So I offered support calls. I offered free training for people who are really missing doing, you know, movement and connection with people. I was able to offer those things. And there was something about trying to care, trying to offer what I could empathy support to others that benefited me and I didn't do it just for the benefit of that, but it was like a, a, an awesome side effect of just focusing my attention outward instead of inward that also helped to lift me up. Did you feel like that too? I absolutely did. Uh, there were things where I was all like, you know, if I wasn't involved in trying to learn the nuances of how to apply for unemployment, or dealing with brand new SBA loans that never existed before. Um, I would not have understood any of it. Um, Mm. And and it's through the work that we did to try and get that education to others that I was getting education myself. And that's what some people I think forget that teaching isn't just about like lecture output, output, output there. It should be kind of like a dialogue and, you know, it doesn't matter how old or how experienced someone is at whatever, you know, whether it's in high school or being an entrepreneur, you will definitely get benefit back from the most unexpected moments and places and people. And that could be a connection that opens up your whole world to all different possibilities that you had never thought of before, because we are only limited by our own thinking. And yeah, it's, it's a cliche, but it's true that if we stay stuck in the patterns of, I don't want to change. I, uh, I like it how it is. And I am that person. I will tell you right now, I like my routine. I like my iced coffee in the morning. I like, you know, sitting down to my table, putting my makeup on before work. Don't mess with me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or just in my business, like I have been in the same location since 2008 and have fought tooth and nail to stay in that location. And I just had to open up my mind that you didn't have, I didn't have to, you, I to say I more, I did not have to stay in the same spot and become miserable because I felt powerless to change it. I absolutely have the power to change it to what degree is, you know, based on circumstance sometimes, but 
when it comes to like, say, particularly Emerson Salon, I just had to open up my mind like, yeah, I could be the owner. Whereas before I was all like, uh, what? No, no, no. Well, actually, Darcy, you can be the owner. You have done all these things. And what is stopping you? You. So, yeah, that's when that's when it really hurts. Right. When you realize that you were doing it to yourself, that limited thinking, limited beliefs or kind of having those blinders on. Mm -hmm. you know, this is what I do every day. I drink mm -hmm. iced coffee. I put my makeup on. I go to the same location since 2008. I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then being able to recognize that there's things that are outside of your purview. And I think that sometimes that's what other help people can help us to recognize, right. Kind of as a mirror, we see the reflections of ourselves in that, what we've been able to do in our communities, um, how we might be able to grow, how we might be able to change and be even bigger and better in the future. Like Emerson Swan is moving. Yes. And we're giving a big heads up because we've been in that location as Emerson Salon for so long that I, it, it gives us enough time to get the word out. And then a number of clients cycle through that, you know, we see them in person and we can talk to them about it and then it'll, it'll sink in, you know, everyone's like, Oh wait, you're not moving till August. I'm like, yeah, you need to get on the, the idea of it first before it happens because change, it, I mean, we get in these mind patterns. I have this happen, had it happen the other day where I was like, I'm driving to the salon or I'm driving to this. And I automatically went, my normal kind of route for something else. I was like, dumb up, dumb up, get your shit together. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Wake up. Um, and that can happen in life. Sometimes you're just like, this is just what I do. And, you know, ironically, you know, this whole changing location thing is going to give a fresh new energy to the salon that we've needed um, for a while. And also we've been through a lot this year and this kind of feels like it'll be a new iteration, a celebration. Um, and so it kind of feels, it'll feel like going, going to school for the first day, you know, a little bit. I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, look at fresh new hairstyle. That's what you got, you know, right. fresh cut, fresh cut. Yes, exactly. All right. So more on this idea of your advocacy for, for entrepreneurs. Sure. I know that in 2019 and I respect this so much, you did a lot, by actually going to our state legislation and talking to them about what Darcy? Well, in 2019, there was an attempt and I call it an attempt. So I'm giving you a spoiler alert. It didn't work because, uh, well, I'll give you the context first. Uh, the state legislature introduced a Senate bill that would have eliminated booth rental for cosmetologists only. And wow. they introduced it at the top of session in 2019 and word spread like wildfire because booth renting is a baby step to running your own brick and mortar location. Um, and also it's all a huge opportunity for flexibility of schedule and being able to control your, you know, your pricing, your supplies, um, how you deal with clients, what services you offer, your pricing, um, and all of that. And to have that taken away just 
for cosmetologists, which is a, you know, not a small corner, but is a corner of the personal services industry alongside barbering and esthetician and nail technicians um, and a number of other things inside the Department of Cosmetology. They decided to just carve out for cosmetologists. So we felt targeted. Um, Mm -hmm. It also felt like we were being targeted as women because this is a female dominated industry. Uh, we do have a number of LGBTQIA in our industry as well. We do have some cisgendered straight men as well, but they, they are for once in the minority. Um, <laughs> and um, we were panicked because I worked hard to figure out how to be self-employed and make it successful. And I was going to be damned if some state legislature was going to take it away from me. And there is one or two states, I think uh, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. I can't, um, I might be wrong. You don't have to take this out, but I might be wrong. There's like two states that does not allow booth rental. Um, They allow suite rental, which means you have your own little location, but they're not allowing for someone to rent a chair in someone else's salon. And so we spread the news on social media and hairstylists, if nothing else, are social media mavens. And yeah, you we are. <laughs> know how to get the word out. We started a Facebook group. We started giving. And this is the thing is to target hairstylists is like shooting a baby duck after it's born because these cosmetologists and hairstylists, we are taught in school not to talk about politics because it's going to affect our money or it's going to cause discordance in a salon space uh, because people can have differing opinions. And I would have to say that is bunk. Uh, mm. You, first of all, I understand wanting to build a clientele, but do you want certain people to be your clients? Do you want to take money from people that you have existential, you know, riffs with? Do you want to spend time with these types of people? And I won't go into details, but um, I, I was not going to let that happen. And so I was going to do everything in my power to not lose that for myself, to have single moms that need that flexibility to take care of their children. Uh, and that our industry, you need to understand what we do. And what we do is talk to your voters every damn day. So you better not mess with us because these people care way more about us than their dentist or their general practitioner or, you know, some random person that makes their coffee down the street. We touch them. We talk to them. We're involved in their weddings, their anniversaries, their graduations, their proms, their homecomings. Um, They're coming out, their uh, transition, all of these life moments. Yeah, Yeah. part of their confidence and we are necessary to them. And if you mess with us, you mess with them. And so that was what we did. We went down to Olympia and we expressed to this ill-advised Senator Kaiser, um, who can be a proponent of good things in our state legislature. But in this instance, she was 
way, way, way off base. And they're still talking about how dumb she was for coming for us. Um, because she listened to like one or two salon owners in Spokane, but didn't actually get any information about what, what we really do and that we are legitimate business owners and that we okay. pay taxes and we, you know, we care about what products we use. We care, you know, and that you don't get to just come for a, a part of an industry and get away with it when you've done zero homework, zero. Um, and so I went down there to be part of a huge hearing. Thousands of people signed into it and attended. Uh, they had, they could not fit all of us in there and it was a historic turnout. And so not mm -hmm. only that bill was killed, but we also, knew and were informed and we were not going to rest at just that bill being killed uh, in committee. There were other bills that were going to redefine independent contracting. And so our work was trying the, this whole story is to bring back around that we had to teach hairstylists how to engage in the political process for the first time beyond voting for a president or a senator, actually engaging in giving feedback in person, letters, phone calls, talking to clients, sending valentines to the legislators, making meetings with the legislators, um, and continuing that pressure to get them to understand that this is not in the state's best interest, in our industry's best interest, in the nation's best interest to create this precedent, um, and that we ultimately do have power over what happens with our laws. And that if you get enough people that think about the laws or the potential laws as you do, that you do have influence and that you do have tactics that you can use that isn't making negative pictures of politicians, that isn't going to their house and threatening them, that isn't, um, you know, name calling on social media, that is substantive and respectful and professional and effective. Wow. And that was effective. Being able to rent chairs or, or booths within spaces not only allows these people to have their independent businesses and, and provide for their families, but it allows and sustains these salons that are too large for just one person to maintain and run. And um, what I've heard from people that I've worked with is that the money that you can make renting your own booth is a huge difference between being able to launch out on your own and, and do the things that you want to do. And it's a great step in between working for someone and opening your own salon. And, and most of the people that I know have not gone to open their own salon, but maintain their booth. And I feel like it would have just taken out such a huge population of people that, um, would this would be such a disservice to all of them if this had happened. So I just want to say thank you so much for being such a trailblazer and helping to rally and champion all these people who would have been so negatively impacted if this had gone through. 
of course. And I just want to make sure that everyone knows I did not do it alone. Uh, thousands and thousands of supporters and industry leaders and professionals, as well as, um, you know, some shout outs to the leaders uh, that I have now started a trade association with called Cosmetologists of Washington United. And we are about to apply for our 501c6 nonprofit application. And uh, this work continues because we saw that we were effective. We know what we're doing. Um, we don't need a lobbyist. It would be nice to have one. They're expensive. Um, but the advocacy work that we do is you can't put a dollar sign on that. There's you cannot replicate that. And I just have to you know kind of give a throwback that I had a, a background in grassroots activism before this. Um, in college, I was a door-to-door -door canvasser for the PERGS, which is a, a Ralph Nader consumer advocacy and environmental advocacy uh, membership group. And it was partially what I learned through the Ralph Nader group that I brought to that work. And it doesn't matter what political persuasion you were in. Those tactics work across the board. Um, so I just want to make sure that I give credit where credit's due, you know, my background and to the other leaders of cosmetologists of Washington United, because I cannot do this alone. It's absolutely not possible. Absolutely. But thank you for so much for being, um, so brave about how you spoke about it on social media, how you help to encourage other people to speak up for their own rights. Like you said, so many people coming out of cosmetology school are like zip on the politics. I can't talk about this. I'm going to hurt my bottom line. I'm going to, you know, I don't want to hurt people, but you have to step forward sometimes and speak up for yourself in order to defend your ability to make a living and to, to do what you've been trained to do. Exactly. So, so thank you for your encouragement of others. And I love how vocal you are on social media about these things. It's important. So I'm curious if you could go back mm -hmm. Or, or perhaps there's somebody listening to this podcast right now who's really interested in doing what you do and um, starting to become a stylist, um, starting to become, become a cosmetologist uh, or getting into this field. Is there any advice that you would have for them? Hmm. Well, so the advice I would have is don't expect your initial education to be everything because it's not um i would i would call it doing your time you're doing your time you're putting in your hours that's required by the state but they're not going to teach you all the things that you would like to learn or have not just a cursory education in. um so the number one thing is if you are going to get into this industry you must be open to learning new things new techniques new trends new science new data um, etc. And also um, that you don't just have to be behind the chair. You could be a sales rep. You could be um, uh, a product uh, researcher. You could either. I mean, I, I don't know. There's so many thousands of different things that you could do in this field that's related to doing hair or skin or nails. Um, so don't feel like that is the only way to be successful. It is not. There are many other ways. Um, and the last thing I would say is, you know, learning how to make relationships with perfect strangers is an art form. 
creating trust with someone you have never met in your life is different for every individual that sits in the chair. And it is our job to look at that person and see them and hear them and listen to them because hearing and listening is different. And that was the big aha moment in my career is I, I had an advanced training situation where I was an assistant at a high-end salon and they were like, Darcy, you're just not getting it. I'm like, what am I not getting? Like, what, what do you want? I'm doing, I'm trying to jump through every hoop, do everything that you want me to do. Well, you're just not getting it. You're supposed to tell the client what they want. What if they are like, I want purple hair with red on the ends. And I'm all like, let's do it. <laughs> let's make it happen. If that's what you want, is that what your soul says? Let's freaking make it happen. Um, that when I actually was like, no, I cannot do this job, career, profession, and be like, F you client, I'm going to take your money and tell you what you want. And you're going to come out of here feeling like a horrible human. You're not going to feel pretty unless you do A, B, C, or D. And I would invite anyone that wants to do this profession that 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 open your eyes that it's not about an aesthetic mandate yeah this is what's trending right now so this is oh this is what i want for you this is what i made for you so you you know and i guess you know the the bottom line of that message is be humble you are only as good as the happy client in front of you and I don't care Ooh. if you do the best haircut and hair color. And if they are not happy, you have failed, <laughs> failed FFF. And you can get that a back by, but listen, how do we, how, let me, let's go back to the beginning. Where was the miscommunication? What can I do to make you feel better today? You know, I am not here to make you, I don't want to make you feel bad. I want you to be happy. No, mind you, not everyone's going to be happy because they want more than what they should expect from just a haircut or a hairstyle or hair color. Yeah. But um, listening and being humble is the most important thing in my eyes. You know, people can disagree with me, but I'm successful and people love the crap out of what I do for them. So um, if that's a reflection, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yes. Oh, so many truth bombs that you just dropped right there. Just I know. Successful is that happy person sitting in front of you. Oh, so good. All right. I have a couple of rapid fire questions ooh, for you. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> okay. So the first question is, let's say uh, you woke up today and you're feeling super anxious out of nowhere. What do you do? What's the first thing that you do to try to like chill yourself out, help, help bring yourself back to center? Uh, I try to get myself in front of a sunny window and uh, pet my cats and have my first morning iced coffee. Woo! Cats, coffee, sunshine sounds amazing. Yes. Is is there a song that you can listen to that just helps you feel better? 
Um, I always have a wonderful reaction to Bob Marley and the Whalers Concrete Jungle. Woo! Awesome. How about a movie? I will forever be a Ghostbusters fan from <laughs> childhood until now. And a, a, a dis, not, not distant second, a close second is Jaws. Um, which is ironic that you, I would say that for, you know, anxiety or whatever, but, um, my grandparents had a house on Martha's Vineyard and I used to go there for the summers and Jaws was filmed on Martha's Vineyard. And so if I need a little childhood nostalgia, I'll watch Jaws so I can see Martha's Vineyard. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So it brings up good memories. Yes. How about a food that just makes you feel like, Oh, I love this when you eat it. Okay, don't judge me. There's no judgment. Taco Bell. <laughs> awesome. What do you what do you order when you go to Taco Bell? Just out of curiosity. I always I don't have one near me, so I haven't eaten there in like ten years just because there's none near me. I I generally get the same order. Sometimes it fluctuates based on how starved I am. And sometimes I'm just like, well, whatever, I'll save the, the last part for like an hour from now when I'm, I'm hungry again. I always always get a nachos bel grande with guacamole. I always get a chicken quesadilla. And then mm-hmm. for later when I'm hungry again, <laughs> uh, I get a beef chalupa, which I used they used to call it Baja. But they, they decided they weren't going to call it Baja anymore. And then I was like, why? I went to the drive-thru. I was like, oh, I wish you guys still had Baja. They're like, it's just spicy ranch. So now I get a beef chalupa with spicy ranch. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That You know what? That is what I used to get when I had a Taco Bell nearby. Is I totally freaking love their chalupa things. They're so good. I don't know what it is. It's, so, it's, it's a taco, but it's not. It's a bready taco. <laughs> It's a bready taco. <laughs> Ugh, so horrible. Don't don't do what I do. But you know, I, I it's my treat. I'm not going to eat that all the time. But it's like if I really there's need. No judge, there's no judgment here. There's no judgment. I think I think probably mine is pizza. You know, it's just uh, like, even when it's bad, it's good. Right. Even when I, it's bad, it's good. <laughs> I hear that. Well, I mean, like when we were, remember when we were kids, you used to do the cafeteria for, you know, lunch at school and the, the little strip pizza, the Elio's pizza. Yes. You were like, it's pizza day. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything that has any resemblance, semblance of pizza, I'm there for it. I'm exactly. always be there for it. So good. All right, let's say that you could go back. You could transport yourself, current self, back to 2012 when you first started as an entrepreneur. Okay. What's something that you would tell yourself? You don't need to be hovering over the spreadsheets like every single day. Like there were times that I'd be, and and I'm going to give some preface to this, that um, I am very anxious around numbers because I didn't discover until I was an adult through actual experimentation, trial and error that I am number dyslexic. And so I will turn a five into a three, a nine into a six. I will 
rearrange the numbers. And I, I understand the computation. I understand the larger abstract concepts of, you know, the formulas you got to do to figure out whether you're profitable or not. When it comes down to like doing it, I feel like I have to check the numbers like five or six times. And so that ends up with me staring at a spreadsheet like, did I check that one? Did I check that one? Did I check that one? And to be honest, you don't have it. You, you lose the forest for the trees doing that. Right. You need to look at the details, but you don't need to be like hyper aware of the details to that degree, because it's just not worth being so pent up energy wise that you could free up that energy to focus on, man, I think I have time for class today, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing, because it, the numbers aren't going to change by you staring at them. And th this is actually a connection of a decision I recently made for my new ownership at Emerson Salon. I am hiring a bookkeeper and not because I can't do it, but because there's nuance to QuickBooks I don't know. And, and recognize what you don't know is a big one. Um, and I can learn it, but I would still have that anxiety around the numbers that I'm not doing it right. Um, and so that gives me peace of mind that I'm not going to make a large mistake. And then six months from now, be like, oh, oops, that there's someone there to kind of look over it. And, you know, I know how to pay excise tax. Do I feel like doing it? Do I, no. Can I get a write off for paying someone to do it? Yes. And yeah. so that's, that's a decision I made. I don't have that decision in my personal life. Hey, can I, can I pay someone to pay my rent and my, and then have a tax rent? No. Okay. Well, I can't in my business, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. What good advice, like acknowledging what you're really awesome at working with clientele working with them to make them happy to have the very best possible hair they could have. They're confident. They're awesome. Like creating for people, this amazing safe space, working with other entrepreneurs, going <laughs> to legislature and doing all this. Hey, if you want to hire a bookkeeper to help you manage the part of your business that is most stressful or anxiety producing, I'm, I'm 100% for it. 100% for it. What do you call, you call that delegating? I mean, how do you delegate when you're self-employed? <laughs> right? Well, you got to find people outside your business. You know what's so funny when you said, um, who am I going to find to pay my rent for? I'm sure there's some entrepreneur somewhere who's like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> no, that's not, <laughs> you, you could, but that person can't write it off. That's, Right. True, They're two true. separate things. So, you know, no, no, that's a big thing to learn in self-employed. Know what you can deduct for your business yes. that you cannot deduct for your personal big one. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And working, working with a bookkeeper can help you to figure out what sorts of deductions you can make. Oh yeah. So totally. Do, that's huge too. Like if you're just starting out working with somebody to figure out what are the ins and outs and do you want to hand it over to someone or learn how to do it yourself? It's totally up to you. Like how much time do you have? How much do you enjoy it? But I think it's, it's always in your benefit to look at those things and see what works best for you. So I'm exactly. so glad that's great advice. Darcy Harrison, thank you so much for being here today. It has been an honor to have an opportunity to speak with you, to get to know you better. And I just thank you so much for, for all that you do. I admire and respect the heck out of you. 
Oh, the reflection comes right back at you as well. And I am so grateful that you asked me. Um, of course, there was a, a little bit of like, pick me, pick me. <laughs> I want to talk. I want to talk. Um, but yeah, th these conversations are necessary. And uh, I really, I commend your vitality and radiance in this space and in the world. And I'm grateful to know you. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to know you as well. Best wishes to you. When does Emerson Salon officially open in its new space? Do you have a date? Uh, not a, a hard date because, you know, there's sort of some overlap with uh, our, our current space, but I want to make sure that the space is up to par and perfect. So I have a little overlap. Uh, so sometime in August 2021, and we will be at the Mosaic uh, studios in the former Urban Outfitters on Broadway and East Harrison on Capitol Hill in Seattle. And so after August, we will be there as Emerson Salon. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to you and I wish you continued success and the best of luck. I cannot wait to come and visit the new Emerson Salon. Amazing. Thanks so Thank much, you. Darcy. Bye. Fellow anxious entrepreneurs, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode. I can't tell you how much it means to me and how supported I feel in having amazing conversations with absolutely incredible people. I hope that you are enjoying listening as much as I am enjoying talking to these great people as having conversations. And I really hope that it helps you to feel less alone. You can find out more about our amazing guest today. A huge shout out and thank you to Darcy Harrison, the owner of Emerson Salon. You can find more information about Emerson Salon at emersonsalon.com and more information about Darcy at darcyhairdesign.com. You can also follow her on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can check out Darcy's YouTube. It's fantastic. Thank you also to Brad Parsons of Train Sound Studios for editing and producing this episode. Another thank you to Camille Bloom for the beautiful original music found in this episode. Thanks everyone. I hope you go out into your day with strength, bravery, and kindness. Thanks for listening.